of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fella in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool <laughs> fan can say. That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. It's not very pleasant when you're trying to manage a team. All you're looking for is a bit of civility and a bit of decency, but they just dismiss you like, like you, you know, you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion. 25 past 8, GA Quick Picks. Good morning to you, wherever it is you are at this morning. You are watching O2B AM, and we're with you all the way through until 10 o'clock. And myself and Owen are now joined by Will and Ashling. Morning, folks. Morning, lads. Top of the morning. How are we doing? All good? All good now, yeah, not too bad. I'm told we're going to get our leaderboard in action uh, for next week, so it'll be a great surprise to everybody to see how uh, the how this is all trending. How bad Well, to be fair, Rooney obviously has decided to take some annual leave at a very bad time for him because his stock has never been higher. He should be on here this morning gloating the hell out of it after uh, Derry last weekend. Yeah, big time. I'm annoyed at myself for not, for not saying that. I, for so long, I had said that Derry are going to show up this year like last year they only lost by a point to Donegal it was knockout championship so I was really excited to see them this year so I'm so annoyed at myself that I didn't back them there's nothing we love more than a bit of revisionism here Ashley. <laughs> welcome welcome <laughs> on in um, wise after the fact you've, you've come home yeah yeah. Um, and Westmead of course we all went the right direction let's linger on that for half a second how did you leave early because they were out of sight no I couldn't I, had two, I brought the two kids down it was actually a brilliant experience Cusick Park needs a bit of work I'm going to say that to put it mildly but a brilliant experience I'm just part of me that's a bit gutted that the semi-finals are in Crow Park because I really enjoyed getting out and about um, class experience kids out on the pitch at half time yeah. Brilliant. Five year old turns around turns around to me and go, can myself and the his sister, can we go on the pitch? Like out milling around loving it, pretend football. Yeah. Ridiculous Qu- points. Qu- quintessential GA experience. There was it was such a quintessential GA experience. There was no lights in the jacks that looked like they were built in nineteen fifty and hadn't been touched <laughs> since in any regard. That's what you want though. That's that's authenticity right there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd be all for it. Uh, they new plans for Cusick are actually quite nice. Yeah. Uh, when they eventually get completed, they've been fundraising for got about 18 months two years now COVID kind of came at a wrong time when they were in the middle of fundraisers for it but when it's completed it will actually be really nice I do like the kind of old school charm of it though no yeah. matter where you sit in the stand in Cusick it feels like you're right in on top of the pitch and, and on top of each other slightly, in a well there, there is that <laughs> we too we parted like it was 1999 sort of way yeah unless you get some of the nice posh plastic seats right in the middle of the stand you are going to be right beside the person but hey um, if you're dedicated, you're going at six o'clock on a Saturday night in the rain to go and watch Westmead and Longford, and they delivered. I think at this stage, Westmead, if they don't beat Kildare, and they'll obviously be underdogs going into that, felt it coming coming out of that game last week. Westmead, they've got a very good chance of winning the Talton Cup. And, and were the the parents that had let their kids go onto the pitch at Westmead Longford last week were they aware that they were in the company of great coaching genius from Kilcoyne <laughs> who had been bussed down from Dublin and was willing to give coaching sessions if required? Cork enough. Cork Harry is our first stop that we're going to get to. I think is the only way to reply to that on. And uh, it is Kerry across the board. No great surprise. I don't think Ashing there's a Derry style prediction to be made here. No, I don't think so. Um, I'm really excited to, to see Kerry in this championship. I think in the league they showed signs of real improvement from last year. Like I think one of the biggest things was their defensive system that they needed work on. And in the league they really showed that's an area that they've been working on. Um, I think the influence of Paddy Talley in there, the intensity that he's brought. And it's sort of what you'd see in Ulster teams. 
So you can see that influence coming through. So I'm excited to see what they do. I think Cork, look at the minute, they look a bit disjointed. They just about stayed up in Division 2. A lot of talk about where the game was going to be played. And we obviously know it's perfectly written. So hopefully they can use that to their advantage and put in a performance against Kerry. But... I think if Kerry want to make a statement this year that they're, they're going to go the whole way, they'd want to put up a big score against Cork. Yeah, it's just about getting a benchmark, Will, of where this Kerry team are at. Yeah, that's as dismissive of Cork as we can be. Um, look, maybe the fact that this game is in Porky Rin, assistant to breed in the last few minutes, might actually help them in that it kind of focused their build-up going into this game, that they were making 100% sure that they weren't going to have to travel west to play this game, that it was going to be played on Cork soil. But the truth of it is that, you know, Kerry so far this year have shown that they are the best group of players that are in the country. The problem that you have with Kerry is that they've let themselves down with a couple of performances over the last few years. Like, I think they were below par against Tyrone in that semi-final last season. And if anything happens that David Clifford is either marked well, goes out of the game or gets injured, you wonder about whether Kerry can then share around the load enough in a tight game because... You know, we remember Colin brought it up earlier on, the late goal that was scored at Porky Cueve. Personally, I thought when it came to Cork, I would have probably travelled to Killarney and taken two games at Porky Cueve over the next years in this game. But the proof of being the pudding when the game gets underway on Saturday evening. It is unfortunate, though, that this game pretty much clashes with everything else that the Munster fans are probably still going to watch Leinster against Leicester, you would imagine, as opposed to casually watching the game at Porky Rin afterwards, too. But... It should, it should really be a very comfortable win for Kerry. You would think, I know Owen was saying, what, six to eight points? I think minimum eight points Kerry should be targeting. Uh, 12 is the spread. Right. The last yeah, thing you want to be doing is throwing in a, another scheduling issue into the mix for this fixture, given everything that's gone on. But it is fairly bizarre conflict that it seems a bit needless. Yeah, maybe. Like I know, Will, you've got thoughts on this, but like... Um, for, for me it's not not like the, the scheduling is, is is a separate thing but like for me it just feels and I know Cork carries its own separate entity of you know a lack of expectation at the moment and it's kind of like a dour enough weekend of fixtures especially just with like a lack of good yeah. uh, hurling fixtures this weekend but it just kind of feels in general that this has been a bit of a damp squib so far the the, the entire hurling championship that there have been like genuinely great moments so far like I mean like Derry Tyrone last week Waterford Limerick the previous week was was really exciting um, like I mean the, the, the Clare Hurler so far have been a, a bit of a spark but say for example this week if it wasn't for the Brian Cody handshake kind of feels like a lot of last weekend's GA storylines would have kind of fell into the distance a little bit like we've spoken a lot about how losing the September window is like bad for the GEA. I'm not, I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with that. But I think also there's a, a case we made that at the, the start of uh, the championship now, you are competing with the other sports more and you're competing with uh, football in its business end more. And I mean, Champions League weeks, mm. it's very, very hard to, to, to move that off the back pages. Champions Cup obviously clashing with it at the moment. So this is the first time ever really that uh, the, the championship and like big championship games, Kerry Cork uh, in a traditional sense is going up against... Heineken Cup and it's going up against Champions League and it's losing the GA is losing in that battle against those two sports at the moment of course it'll spark into life in a, in a month in a month but basically for, from what I can see April and a half of May is going to be not lost but a little bit underwhelming in a coverage sense mm. well yeah. the, 
the GA competing against his own product didn't help last week either, where the two mm. really interesting hurling games of the weekend where you had Galway against Kilkenny, which was understandably going to be the TV pick, given the fact that it was Shefflin versus Cody. And I'm sure the TV companies didn't expect they were going to get quite as much drama after the 70th minute in that game as they did between the late free being given, Galway getting a last gasp winner, and then the bizarre handshake between Cody and Shefflin. But it meant that Cork and Clare wasn't on TV, it was on GEA Go which when you show kind of a, a crapshoot football game on at six o'clock the night before where Dublin eased to victory against Wexford, it seemed an awful shame the way it was set up. And I was looking forward to looking ahead to the TV schedule for next week. And again, these were picked well in advance. And you'd have to understand that, you know, TV schedulers will have to pick months out. But you could potentially have a fairly dead rubber game between Tipperary and Cork next week, which is going to be on TV. And then you've got two provincial semi-finals in Leinster, which aren't going to be on TV at all. And I don't know, maybe some flexibility is required when it comes to something like a round robin where one or two results can massively change the outlook before the next set of games takes place. It's unfortunate this week is the Leinster break week in the hurling and there's only one game on in Munster. Surely it would have been better off to have, say, the Clare and Cork game on this weekend, along with Limerick against Tipperary and spread them across two days. And that way you're not competing against each other. In a weird way, I kind of feel on a football level, hurling is, is different in this regard, but on a football level, the National League almost has a better chance of just even just grabbing back pages on a on a Monday morning than some of the championship stuff does uh, at this moment. And like, obviously, like like if, if we're complaining here, you got to ask yourself, what's the fix? Do you necessarily go back to the way it was? And I'm not sure that's the case either. I just feel that this might actually force GA into thinking that they need to have the best possible product front and centre all the time. This sort of sleepwalking into the football championship, which we've seen over the last couple of years, you can get away with it when there's nothing else on. And uh, and I guess the, the hurling could take away from it. But what's actually happening now is that actually people are like, there's enough other sports I, on. I like do, I watch Leinster against Leicester. I do think, look, at the, the clashes thing notwithstanding, because that's uh, uh, just such a blatant thing that you should try and schedule away from that sort of stuff, regardless of the belligerent, belligerent nature of there are sports and we'll put them on. Just like there has been some flexibility shown before, particularly around some of the football stuff, if I remember the soccer stuff last year. But I do think that if you're from... Leitrim, like you're in the height of your summer now heading into this weekend, like obviously we discuss Cork or whatever, but like Cavan, you're the same way. Like there is an elitism about some of the points that you're making that obviously relate to that will come into your breadbasket soon on if you're patient in terms of Kerry, right? Like because I think if you're oh, from you those counties that I've just mentioned or you're from like obviously my own county that I was at last weekend or Kildare, the excitement is bub- bubbling up, the excitement of Meath is bubbling up. I think a lot of it relates to where your county is at at any given point. There's nothing that's going to excite you too much at this point of the year anyway, given the nature of... How can I get excited of, about Westmead Longford when I can't watch the match? Well, look, at that's absolutely true and it struck me as Will was talking there if we could just show more games. I don't th- so I don't think it's an elite would. mindset at all. I'm not, like, I'm not like looking down on these... Count- I'm, like, th- but what I'm saying to you is like, there'll be people from Leitrim listening to what you're saying this morning going that they couldn't be... They're, they are... They're getting the dinner out of the way today, so they can head into the weekend with a full, Listen, clear schedule. I'm unbelievably excited. Like I'm, I'll yeah. be at Parky Rin tomorrow. I'm very, very excited about this. Like I'm talking about it in a general sense about where the, with the spotlight on the sport at the moment. Like I'm not looking down on Leitrim people. <laughs> I like, never said you were. I'm just saying that. I never said you were. I'm just saying that there, there is. If you're saying that there was the scheduling point that you made right, or the will was making, and then your point was making that it feels as if everything hasn't really fully kicked into life just yet. 
Yeah, it feel, feel, feels like the G is yeah. second fiddle. So no, look at and, and I uh, that, that that's fair enough. I'm just saying that there are that there will be loads of counties around the country who are uh, buzzing for this weekend and for the weekends to come, and obviously all the Talton Cup teams who are going to obviously uh, go through the rigors of that in the weeks ahead. I'm just saying that it depends on where you're from, really, in terms of your excitement of where the championship is at at any given moment. Well, the counterpoint to this before Owen ends up being shot at some point and Leitrim becomes the new <laughs> unit and Mayo at some point, is that last week we had the All-Ireland Champions get hammered by a Division 2 team. So like, we have had a few kind of exciting twists and turns so far. But I, I actually, I actually, sorry, that, sorry exactly I, I, I think on that point, I think that like if Tyrone, I think if you wait five days, plus if Tyrone had beaten Derry last weekend, which, you know, by form they should have done, but... Uh, so if that had happened, right, you've still got a huge, you've got the All-Ireland champions still really in the mix, still going for it in a way that I don't feel they are right now. And then you add in five days' time ahead where Kerry have laid down a marker, Galway have probably laid down a marker, like maybe Donegal have laid down a marker and suddenly it's focused the mind a little bit. It's probably just at this exact moment in time where we're still waiting for some of those teams to really hit their straps. But that's not my point at all. My point is, like, you're absolutely right. Tyrone Derry was a big story this week. It was a, it was a great game, a, a brilliant moment. It just feels, what, what's the story of the week? The story of the week is Manchester City's collapse. It's Katie Taylor at the Garden. Shefflin uh, and Cody. Shefflin Cody, because that was, it seemed like pretty extraordinary, that elevates it to a level above. I just feel that in previous years, Tyrone versus Derry would have been just a much bigger talking point in the middle of the summer. Again, I'm not saying that's an, it's the right thing to go, to go back there. I'm just commenting, up, it's just an observation that it's just not as... As uh, there's not as much of a buzz around the championship, even allowing for the, the frailties in the provincial championship at this point of the championship, than compared to the previous years. And I don't know if it's something that needs to be fixed or not. It's just something that that, yeah. I, that I'm remarking upon. No, I, I understand what I'm saying. It's not really in the spotlight. I don't feel the buzz as much as I would have felt other years. And I think as well, in a sense of people just catching on. There's some people that you, you meet and they're like, oh, geez, the championship is on at the minute. You know, yeah. they're, they're only getting used to this. I was talking to friends the other day and I, we were talking about plans and I was like, oh, no, July is going to be the All-Ireland and the end of July. And they're like, what? I was like, and they're big GA people. I was like, yeah, like, I think there's a sense of people not really fully knowing what's going on at the minute. And look, we've had the problems with the provincial of not really being that exciting. So maybe people are just not fully tuned into it just yet. But uh, I do get what Owen's saying, that the spotlight isn't fully on it like other years because other sports are going on at the minute. So yeah, it doesn't have that full buzz that we're used to having, I think. Just on, on that point, because look, I know generally player interviews can be reasonably monotonous and we'll take each game as it comes and whatever else. But I'm wondering how much of an impact there has been by the GPA opting to not have their players speak after games and to pull out of pre-championship media events and so on as well. Like a lot of the space that would have probably been taken up in the newspapers middle of the week and definitely space that would have been on radio stations and TV over the last while would have been player interviews on the week of games. Mm -hmm. With that removed, how much hype has that actually taken away? Yeah. Um, I'm going to leave a couple of the last words here to our YouTube commenters Kevin Kyo who says that Owen has a huge problem with England and Leitrim mm. I've been banging on about it for months now <laughs> I hate them both so much <laughs> equally the really? UK though no, you would never say no, nothing, nothing grinds my gears more than Leitrim uh, Damien says Hen, I'm, uh, I'm English and Carrigan Shannon kills him <laughs> <laughs> I'm English and I've got a problem with England uh, Paul Quirk has a good idea uh, Friday night games would be a great option for the GA to explore for the championship it works great for the club really sets the tone for the weekend and like it is 
definitely something that would be appealing. The amateur nature of the thing obviously suddenly comes into that where you're obviously asking vast swathes of people who have other stuff to be doing with their time to earn a living to take even more time off. And I guess that is maybe where part of that uh, complication comes into it. Uh, right, on to our second quick pick. And uh, I, I have a feeling that we're all going the same direction in almost all of these games. Um, Donegal Cavan, and we're Donegal across the board. Uh, the only slight caveat um, might be that it's a bit like um, Carlo Ancelotti when he gets to Paris next week, he might be having flashbacks of what's happened in yesteryear. And Donegal actually might be having flashbacks of their own to the athletic grounds in 2020. There, it was a, a massive game, unbelievable, and it was w- one of those games that you'd never expected Cavan to come out on top, and they did. And the scenes after it was just amazing to see. So you could never write Cavan off. We didn't think they were going to do that performance that year. You never know what they're going to do this year. But I think for Donegal, when we spoke about them against Armagh um, in their, their first game, you know, I pondered so much over my prediction, and I was going back and forth, and I finally went with uh, Donegal. Thankfully. But now I just hope that we can see this continue. Like consistency has been a massive problem for Donegal. Once they they get this big win, can they push on? And they always just fall short. And you just wonder what what goes on because they've such a good team in paper. But we really see it against Armagh. They put up a big score, um, really good performance. So I hope they can kick on now. But I'd never write Calvin off because you just don't know what you're going to get with Calvin. They had a good win as well against Antrim and they kicked 120, which is no mean feat. So that 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 was good for them. And kicking 20 points, you know, is is always a massive positive. So I do think it's going to be a tougher task than people imagine. But I do expect Donegal to, to come out on top. Ulster is such a weird province at the best of times to get a fix on who at any one point is the leading candidate to challenge for the All-Ireland. And it's generally not until the Ulster final is played. And you, at that point, everybody's... Uh, hindsight kings and they're all like ah well it was so obvious all the time but will the Derry win last weekend how much has that changed the outlook in, in Ulster and I suppose who they're, they'll play Monaghan next weekend who do you see coming out of that for yeah um, I kind of have a slight fancy for and this is getting ahead of next week so if I change my mind someone will just scrub <laughs> back to uh, this week I kind of still have a slight fancy for Monaghan to beat Derry in the other semi-final and obviously we've gone for Donegal across the board to win this one so Mm, Monaghan against Donegal final. I actually kind of fancy Monaghan to win Ulster this year. They're probably unlucky not to win it last year. They gave Tyrone a decent enough rattle at Crow Park, but just didn't quite have enough uh, to get over the line in that one. So yeah, Monaghan for Ulster for me at the moment. Yeah, and yeah, like, I don't know. I'd be picking Donegal for Ulster just. I think if that's the final, mm. and it's a big if, I think uh, on both cases of these semi-finals, I think it'll be a great clash. Like I, I do think we do like remember twenty twenty very vividly because of that whole day, obviously. Uh, tip winning Munster on on the very same day. The manner of the the cabin win it was very very dramatic. But like if we're if we're talking about Kerry Cork earlier on and like writing off that Kerry performance in twenty twenty, like I think maybe Donegal deserve a little bit of leeway, not a whole pile, but a little bit of leeway for for twenty twenty. Cavan were amazing that year and they were brilliant against Antrim a few weeks ago. But Donegal have been consistent in Ulster. It's been outside of Ulster where they've been inconsistent. I think it'll be 12, 10 out of twelve Ulster finals they'll have reached if they win this weekend, which is just a brilliant record and such a minefield of a province. Like I, I do, I, I don't think nobody's calling this game as a as a blowout for Donegal anyway. I think if the spread is something like six points, I think it'll be smaller than that. I think I think there'll be a a goal between the teams. I think it'll be Donegal by three. But you're not overly confident predicting either of these semi-finals in, in the Ulster Championship. They should be both brilliant games. Yeah, and like just with Donegal, 
Ocean Gallon coming back in the next few weeks Murphy going along really well McHugh playing well off him like a lot of players hitting their straps and a lot of pieces I suppose falling into place nicely at the right time almost for Donegal are they how far back from Kerry are they I suppose isn't that the benchmark really of where any team is at at the minute um, I don't know a, a bit you'd have to say you'd, you'd like it, it, what, what's their ceiling is, is the question when you're, when you're analysing that I don't think their ceiling is, is at Dublin or Kerry's level I think that they're the teams like obviously Tyrone ceiling last year I don't think that exists this year if we're going to read a lot into last year and then I think you'd have to have Mayo as, as a team that can get to a higher level than Donegal as well but maybe they prove something new like I mean they do have a, a good management team in there uh, but they're probably under a slight bit of pressure as well to prove that they can get the most out of this team and maybe eke a little bit more out of them just like the Tyrone management team did with their players last year so to answer your question I think there's, there's a, a little bit of a gap but I mean if they if they manage to, to, to kick lumps out of Cavan this weekend and, and ratchet up a big score and there's a bit of a gulf between the teams I think the conversation changes around Donegal a bit uh, Let's touch on Leitrim Galway uh, We won't linger on it but let's touch on it here and it won't be any great surprise that it's uh, Galway across the board um, and just looking at the odds Will for this one ja- sorry overall no more than the conversation we've just been having about how far away from Kerry or as Owen would say Kerry and Dublin uh, Donegal are Galway are third favourites alongside Mayo and Donegal uh, to win the All-Ireland right on the basis of obviously uh, the previous round what, is that justified? Will for you? Yeah um, it's a big call to make this early in the year I mean obviously Galway had a very impressive league campaign and are now one step away from going up against their neighbours Roscommon in the Connacht final and obviously that leads you know directly into the back end of the knockout stages so you're probably seeing the market reflected a little bit around that as well because there's some very difficult games for teams in Ulster left and obviously Kerry are favourites based on what they've done so far this year and they're expected to be Cork but look I was obviously very impressed by Galway last time out I mean we kind of had our slight reservations um after what happened in the league final and then you know they came out absolutely flying so I don't know like I mean look obviously they've got a more direct route potentially to the All-Ireland series but that's a very difficult conic final ahead for them against Roscommon um, mm. that'd be my concern if I was a Galway fan but obviously they have to get over Leitrim first I mean I don't think any of us genuinely think that Leitrim are going to be that close to Galway this weekend do we? No I don't suspect that I think no. uh, I think there'll be a bit of a margin there. Um, I don't think it would be a surprise, says this YouTube commenter, if Cavan won on Sunday. Cavan for the win, says Cavan Matt. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the hurling, I think, next. Uh, Limerick against Tip, and it's Limerick across the board. Uh, Tipperary zero from two, injuries galore, low ebb. T- any, anybody feeling in, in 30 seconds is going to be tight here, or what are we thinking? Nope. No, I Which think it's it? too much of a, of a task for, for Tip here, just with their injuries as well. Jason Ford, James Quigley, James McGrath, like to be going in against Limerick um, with not a full strength squad and not playing your best hurling. I just I can't see it. And at the moment, we're just seeing Limerick really get into their stride. What, what do they need? Well, how much of a lead do they need at halftime to win this game? 16, 17 points? So if they're After not that much at halftime, you can write it After off. last year, you need more than that. It's, it's like it's an awful pity that this game is likely to be a blowout for Limerick, even without Kyle Hayes and without Keane Lynch, because the Munster final was so good and so absorbing last year, and Limerick's comeback was just remarkable. But tipper down probably five of the six starting forwards if you're picking a team on paper earlier this year, and then you add the two Mars into it as well. Mm. I don't know. I mean, for Tipperary, it's about not finishing bottom of Munster now. 
And then uh, Dublin Meads in the Leinster final at Parnell Park. Uh, it is three Meads and a Dublin. Finally, we have a point of difference here. And like, look at it. It's one the tightest game of the of the whole lot to call, isn't it? Like, there was a um, difficult one to get in. But like, look, it's my call there is on the basis of obviously there's there are so few teams even competing for this thing. Uh, Dublin have had a run out, albeit like Will is talking about blowouts there against Westmead last weekend. But they, you know, I'm sure Mead have been tipping away with challenge matches, but it just doesn't replicate that intensity and preparation that you get for a championship game. Uh, Mead haven't had that. Two points between them in the All-Ireland final last year. And also what's in my mind, to be honest, is Hannah Terrell was sat in your seat on there about three months ago, or a little bit more probably at this stage. Um, in fact a lot more about six months ago and she was talking about the hurt from that game and she wasn't making it up it was very clear in her eyes that this was uh, that hurt badly and so I don't think there was much between them to begin with um, obviously me are, are are currently holding on to some of their players who are about to take flight and uh, that would be definitely swing me in the Dublin direction I don't think much but for that reason no, on I'm going for Dublin. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't see the the Dublin Meath game between them in the league, but like I think we sometimes forget that Meath won, won the league, but Dublin beat them in the league. Yes. It was Donegal who who did Dublin uh, in that one. But the thing is, Meath were just awesome in that uh, league final at times. Donegal are an excellent team, and they're going to be a contender this year as well. And they managed to, to grind out that win. And obviously, the collection of players that we became so familiar with on their path last year. Um, they're like they're. I just think they're a brilliant team. And I think they're going to win at the weekend. But it's that sort of in not not an intangible around Dublin. But there's like a revenge mission for them this year in an overall sense that they'll have their eyes on on the All Ireland for sure. Ashling, wrap it up for us there by endorsing my pick. No chance. <laughs> no, I, I can't wait to see this. And as we're talking about the league, they, they did, uh, Dublin did beat Mead, but it was only a point and Mead left off their college players that day. So you didn't have a, a lot of their main starters um, on the team. And I think they nearly did that on purpose to not show their full hand this year because they know that Dublin are absolutely gunning for them and they're, they're going to want to go the whole way. And not to go on about Mead, but we have seen them go from Division 3, Division 2 to Division 1 in the league, Intermediate Senior Championship championship winners and the only thing that they do not have with this amazing team is a senior Leinster title so I think they'll really have their eyes set on wanting to win this and it, it'll be a massive game it's in Parnell Park you know there, there's a lot to it but I do think that Mead have Kelsey Nesbitt back as well she's been out for a, for a while she's been on the bench she came back in at the league you've seen the influence she made so they've a lot um, added as well this year that should be a big positive for them but uh yeah, you can you can never write the dubs off. You see Carla Rowe is back in form as well. She kicked two five last week, um, along with Hannah Tyrrell, she scored two nine. So there's um massive positives for both teams, but I just think Mead will will just about edge it. I hope so anyway. Uh, we Adrian, shall see. There's only one cautionary thing about this game is that this is a round robin series that the teams are in. I would like to have seen the teams, which will probably yeah. be announced around noon before picking this, because Dublin scoring 6.23 against Westmead last week. Mead will be expected to beat Westmead next week. So both teams are going to qualify for a final in a few weeks' time. So I'm wondering, will there be any element of shadow boxing just for this fixture as opposed to the Leinster final itself? That's a fair point. I'm all in Dublin. Thanks, folks. Thanks a lot. That's the quick picks for this week. It is uh, gone 10 to 9. Friday morning, you're watching OTB AM and uh, we've loads still to come. The papers now. As I said, we're going to be talking to the Cork legend breed stack to talk football. First of all, Mick Foley and why the Cork hurlers simply don't work enough.
This is the thing as well with Cork, and I'm not making excuses for them, but uh, like you know, there was a little bit of a, a bit of a kerfuffle about Cork, uh, not you know the All Star situation last year with Cork, and you know they probably they probably didn't benefit from playing Limerick so often last year, you know, and to start off again then against Limerick this time round. Um, on one level, it was a good yardstick to see where they were at compared to last year. But on another level, if it went wrong like it did, it really throws them back. But I do think there's one more issue to that physicality aspect, and it's connected to another issue around Cork, which would be work rate. I would be fairly confident in saying that there are a number of players on that panel that just are not putting it in physically. They're not doing the work. And that's not to say, you know, you know they should be pilloried for that they've, they've seemed to have made a choice that they're just not going to put it in and Mick when you say that because look that in a way is as big a criticism as big an accusation you can make around any player when you say the work rate do you feel that's in the off season in training sessions or do you feel it's just when they get on the pitch well I know that there, I know that there are a couple of players that they have to work extremely hard on to get them to do the physical work the, like basically the gym stuff mm. you know I mean, you, like, all you have to do is, you know, take off your top, take off your top, you know, and let's have, you know, stand them up beside a Limerick guy and you'll see, you know. Um, and I mean, unfortunately, it's it, there are a couple like that that just have not put in the work. And is that is that not a failure of coaching in that if there's players like that, why are they in the squad? I think you can put together all the structures in the world. You can put the best coaches in there in the world. If a player has decided that he's going to do so much but not everything what are you going to do and there's a lot of guys I mean and this is you know you can you can play around with it all you want but there was a lot of talk within Cork and beyond Cork that it was a number of guys playing for their their careers in the last couple of matches and you see the outcome so there is clearly an issue there around uh, the I suppose the, the the attitude within the squad within the, that's what I'm talking about leadership the leadership within the playing group and then the ability of the management to connect with the players to bring the whole thing together. And again, I mean, you say it's a big criticism. It's a criticism. I don't think it's unfair. I mean, one of the things that has been said about you know, over the previous two games is that they're just getting blown out of it. Mm. You know, I mean, there's been criticism of them struggling on their puck outs. There's been criticism of them not putting the work. Like work rate is not just a thing this year. I mean, there's been statistical analyses done over the last bunch of years to show that show that Cork of the elite counties playing the Lee McCarthy Championship are among the teams that are at the, at the lower end of that scale. Really good stuff there from McFoley, the Sunday Times last night, talking about the malaise of Cork hurling as they look set to miss out on getting out of uh, the Munster group in the hurling championship this year. Uh, it's not been amazing for the footballers either over the last little while. And to that end, we are joined by Cork legend Breed Stack ahead of their game against Kerry tomorrow. Breed, good morning to you. How are you getting on? Uh, is there a, a, more of a, a sense of worry around the small ball or the big ball at the moment when it comes to proceedings in, in Cork GEA? <laughs> well, uh, we'll certainly know after this weekend anyway. But um, yeah, I suppose, look, um, it's probably been a, a, dis- a disappointing, um, you know, car hurling outlet there, um, I suppose, the last day. Um, but look, um, you know, you can you can look back at this five-year plan that was projected. And, you know, certainly from a football point of view, there's been a bit more positives um, in terms of, I suppose, uh, club success and underage success, um, but definitely a lot more to do in, from the football side of things, um, but yeah, look, I suppose look, the hurlers, the hurlers always get a massive following, always get a huge 
you know, there's always, um, I suppose, great excitement that, you know, this could be the year. And um, look, unfortunately, they, they just seem to be just that, that pitch below um, at the moment, especially in, in Munster. That five-year plan is interesting. So 2019, they published that hashtag 2024. Yeah. One of the bullet points in that was Cork will be regular All-Ireland contenders in all grades of inter-county football yeah. uh, within three to five years. You'd have to say that that's probably been kicked down the road a little bit. Um, yeah, look, I suppose, look, you have to take the, the club side of things at its merit. Um, there's mm. definitely been massive advancements in, in the club structures and side of things. It's led to massively more competitive Cork structure. Um, which is, you know, it has to be good for the game. Players are playing at the grade that um, that they are at, um, which leads to player retention. It leads to um, player enjoyment. And uh, I suppose it leads to, you know, teams improving um, and a steady improvement. And, you know, maybe we might see it, we maybe might not see it before this five-year plan is up, but certainly, you know, there's great progress happening at club level with Cork. And um, I suppose, look, you just have to look at the at the league, I suppose, debutants there was this year. I know, look, a lot of them were were due to necessity, due to injury, but there was definitely a lot of club players that stepped up. And, you know, that's because they're, you know, playing at a level, um, I suppose, where they're getting seen, getting noticed. They're playing at a level that they're very comfortable at and, um, you know, that they can see improvement in. So from the Cork club structure point of view, it it has been brilliant. And obviously the bar is doing as well as they have. So, mm. um, you know, that's that's obviously a huge plus. Um, the underage obviously has done very well. But I suppose for me, look, there's still just that massive missing link between you know the underage stepping up to senior and um i suppose you definitely would have to question you know physically where cork are at at the moment and for me i just feel like that there is that massive um missing link between the snc step up between that underage and and seniors just in, in even just in comparison to you know our intercounty counterparts um you know, it's 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 frightening you know how much i suppose even Kerry have advanced even in the last couple of years and that I suppose there's just not that continuity there at the moment with Cork. That's really interesting because like, that's essentially what Mick Foley was earmarking as one of the, the real problems with, yeah. with Cork hurling at the moment. So it's it's obviously something that if they manage to get this right, it'll benefit both codes. Yeah, and like I said, I just think continuity is a massive thing, especially, I suppose, for young lads trying to bridge that gap. And, you know, in Cork, there's definitely been a lot of toing and froing with different um, SNC coaches over the last couple of years. So I just think... Um, Look, maybe this could be the start, but now with um, Keith Rickon coming in and, um, you know, hopefully um, getting a bit of momentum going. But I suppose, look, there has been a lot of kind of um, uncertainty and, um, like I said, just lack of consistency for for um, players and managements alike going forward the last couple of years. But um, I suppose you, you, you can only try to look at the positives as much as possible. And, you know, the positives are, look, club structure is going well. Hopefully that obviously spills over onto Intercounty like it did for Derry. Like Derry obviously has um, great club structures and, you know, now they're hopefully reaping the rewards of it. Um, so, you know, I suppose, look, it's we're obviously very impatient and want to see Cork back where they were and want to see this rivalry back where it was. So, um, you know, obviously we, we may just have to wait another couple of years. Uh, that continuity and consistency piece, that was something that Ronan McCarthy touched on in that examiner conversation that yeah. I mentioned earlier on. He said um, from a Cork point of view, it is time to burn the boats, if I could use that phrase, and he's talking about dual players yeah. here. So he said, the message we gave to players from my time from 2018 on was, if you go, you're not coming back. 
Like, I mean, that that's, I mean, that, that seems like a very honourable thing. And like, I mean, you look at someone like uh, Aidan Walsh, for example, who was uh, obviously an all-star in, in 2010, yeah. such an amazing footballer. Uh, to burn that boat, I'd say, is almost easier said than done sometimes if a player of that quality goes pl- to play with the hurlers and then wants to come back to play football. Uh, it, I, I would suggest it would take a brave enough Cork manager to say, no, you're not coming back. But uh, you have to say fair play as well that, that this is the mentality that McCarthy wants to see. Yeah, and look, obviously he, you know, he was um, involved, and he probably had had plenty of head scratching going on as well when he was potentially losing players to hurling. And um, I suppose, look, that's the the massive problem that Cork have, you know, as a dual county and um, you know, a dual senior county, that it's um, it's very very hard to to make sure that you keep players in one code. Um, obviously, a lot of these lads are playing dual clubs, so you know, you're always going to have a little bit of a grass since you were young, you know, playing both codes. So it's very, very hard sometimes maybe to make that complete cut off in one code. And um, I suppose from the Cork footballer's point of view, maybe the hurling has been that little bit more appealing in the last couple of years. So, you know, you're losing the likes of, you know, Damien Cahillan, who was a fine footballer, um, like Aidan Walsh, who you mentioned, two-time All-Star, lost to hurling. Um, and then I suppose like even more recently, like you just have to look to Mark Keane. Like Mark Keane was playing over in Australia um, you know, was playing uh, a, a variation, obviously, of football over in Australia. And, um, you know, you would have said it would have been a huge addition to Cork coming back this year, but has gone with the hurling and, you know, hasn't seen a lot of hurling or hasn't seen a lot of game time for the hurlers. So, you know, you're, 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 always, you're always going to be picking from a more diluted pool of players that way when you're, when you're fighting two codes. It almost feels pretty like some of the stuff you're talking about there, the S&C side and then the likes of that. Uh, piece obviously about marking that like a lot of it is not actually deep rooted fundamental stuff uh, and I know that obviously getting your SNC right probably should be part of something like an essence uh, yeah. a five year plan but like a lot of it seems like fairly easy wins yeah like um, yeah I suppose in terms of like if, just, if, if they could if, if, if they could get it right like it's not like they don't need to do an awful lot of navel gazing here it's like a couple of things to be done and suddenly yeah. things could start to turn for them yeah, 100%. And um, like, as I said, you know, there has been definitely positives of this five-year plan. It was brilliant. It was put in place and it was put in place by the right people. And um, just to, to follow it through, like um, just in the coming years is absolutely vital. Um, you know, there was this, I suppose, vision for what Cork football could be. And, um, you know, have we seen that at the moment? You know, probably not, but it's definitely taking step stones towards it. Um, it's not all doom and gloom, 100%, but... Um, like Ronan said, maybe there needs to be very, very hard calls made. Um, but for me, I suppose, you know, we're not utilising the younger players enough. Is that because they're just being absolutely launched into it without massive experienced role models in the senior football camp at the moment? Um, you know, like when you look back to, I suppose, you know, the year that um, that Cork did in 2010, like you have massive leaders all over that camp. Um, so for me, sometimes there's a lot of uh, chopping and changing with panels in the last couple of years. There's a lot of player turnover, like I said, and that's not just down to the, you know, opting for the hurling code. There's a lot of players opting out. There's obviously been some extensive injuries and there's players being dropped. So there just seems to be a lot of uh, player turnover in the last couple of years. And until you kind of nail down, you know, a consistent team, um, you know, you're going to be under the under the pump. Um, like you just look at Kerry, like their team has been relatively consistent now since they were the new guns on the block in what, 2019, when the majority of their team changed and they have been building consistency and like even the physical specimens that they have become in that short space of time, 
Um, you know, it's it, it's a, a great platform for what can actually be done um, if there's consistency there and there's, you know, I suppose not that much player turnover. But, you know, like even looking back to 2019, you mentioned, or no, 2020, you mentioned there, you know, the I suppose the shock win, the marquee punch goal and everything like that. Um, you know, like you're looking at Paul Kerrigan, um, like I made a list there actually, like it was, like I suppose you powder first spot in Flying Farm, you had Shanley, Rory Dean, Mark Collins, Markeen, Luke Connolly, Paul Kerrigan. That's only two years ago. And like, that's a massive turnover of players again already. So like, I just think Cork seem to be a team that are constantly in this massive turnover. And um, yeah, until I suppose you can try to nail down, um, you know, your good cohort and try to bring them forward and develop them as leaders and develop them physically. Um, and hopefully that's what Keith Ricken is going to do um, this year with this with this new cohort, um, you know, going forward. So um, I suppose we just have to be positive and um, look forward to Saturday with uh, a little bit of hope. Does Daryl O'Shea calling the Cork footballers a disgrace make you more or less looking forward to, to this game tomorrow? Like, I don't think it's going to be the absolute whitewash that people are are, are putting putting forward. I do think it's going to be a lot more competitive than the people think. Like, that league team that was out there was very, very experienced, or very inexperienced, sorry I mean to say. Um, was probably, like, as I said, there was like 15 debutants or something throughout the league. Like, you are getting back a lot of, I suppose, more experienced players. Granted, look, they're not going to have the massive experience that um, that some of the Kerry boys have in terms of like high championship um, power games. But, you know, you're getting back um, Powder, as we said, Ty Corkery, Brian Hayes, Brian Hartnett, you know, back in training now, you've Killian Hanlon, Lima Donovan, Connor Corbett, David Buckley. So like even the standard of training in the last couple of weeks has have to, you know, would 100% have improved by just even have, having these lads back in the mix. Um, so like, I don't think it's going to be the whitewash that people are forecasting. I definitely think it's going to be a lot more um, a lot more competitive but obviously Cork is still going in as underdogs and they have to play as such every single person on that team and every single panel member that potentially has um, has potential to come on has to know their role and has to play that role to massive effect and I suppose look you can only look to Derry at the weekend versus Tyrone like you can you could see that they were planning for that Tyrone game with with a long time and every single player on that Derry team knew their role and, and played their strengths and that's what Cork have to do with the weekend and um, they just have to going with an absolute, you know, um, I suppose a, a definitely hardened mindset and like they cannot be lacking any motivation, especially after a 22-point loss last year. There should be no cock player on that field that isn't, you know, making sure that they are first to every ball because, you know, the desire has to be there and we have to see it from the players. What is the game plan you'd like to see then? Is it a, is it a back to the wall sort of job? Park the bus is it is it a little bit more ambitious than that or like I guess you, you Parky Rin is is a bit of an asset on that front if that's how you set up but but how would yeah. you send them out if you were managing them tomorrow? Yeah, well, no, like I suppose yeah, I was listening to Ron McCarthy actually on that podcast and like you know he made a very um you know a very particular point about um about the Cork or the the kickouts you know like Cork lost seventy five percent of the kickouts last year in that monster clash um so their own like. Kerry absolutely dominated their own kickouts and obviously dominated Cork's kickouts. So, you know, to only have that much um, possession to be trying to work off, that is obviously a massive area that uh, that Cork need to see improvement on. You would hope that Cork have done massive work in that area. Um, now, Ian Maguire obviously is is your mainstay midfielder. Um, like he has loads of wonderful attributes. He's obviously, you know, a serious workhorse and, um, you know, he'll give his all um, for you. Um, but is he the most dominant aerial midfielder in the game? Probably not. 
Um, and, you know, he's had probably counterparts in and out um, throughout the league. So there hasn't been a, a like a dominant midfield nailed down. Um, but you you don't have the luxury of going short, um, I suppose, on kickouts either. Like with this Cork team, um, you have a generally inexperienced um, backline against, a, I suppose, a physically stronger, physically experienced um, uh, Kerry side. So what do you do? You, like, I would say you would have to go along and that there has to be this um, understanding by every single person in the middle third that, you know, what we're going to try to do as a Cork midfield is we are going to try to bring this ball to ground, get the ball to the deck and make sure that there is massive fight around that middle third um, and then try to use that as obviously as your launch pad. Um, like Kahlamani has been, you know, has probably energised this Cork forward line, um, you know, during the league. And, um, you know, you still have um, obviously Hurley and John O'Rourke doing doing the the inexperience or the experience work. Um, and then obviously um, Sherlock has proven that he's not just, you know, good from play spot. I think he scored something like five points um, from play against Offaly. So, you know, there is there is talent there, um, but it's a case of, I suppose, playing to our strengths as much as possible, not um, feeding into Kerry as uh, as much as we possibly can. Go along and make sure it gets to ground for maybe the first couple of kickouts. If the option um, for the for a very, very safe short kickout is on, you know, and just make sure that you're not, um, I suppose, very predictable um, for, for the Kerry team. Kieran Whelan, just on that point, sort of making a, um, you've sort of alluded to it a couple of times, Breed, like almost, are we are we underestimating Cork here? He makes a point in the Irish Independent this morning about like, uh, you know, Kerry maybe aren't all that either just yet, that there's a bit of proving to be done there, particularly with some of the lesser uh, experienced players. Like if you put that into the mix with the whole stuff about the venue and how uh, the players obviously dug their feet in over that and how that can sort of galvanise nothing better to galvanise a Cork team breed than, than a bit of conflict like that are we are we underestimating this is there is there a possibility that we all look a bit like mugs on Sunday evening that there's a Cork could actually do something here or is that do you feel over overstating it um, look like you know Kerry are justifiably going in as, as hot tipped favourites for, um, for this game and you couldn't look past them like you know it would be you know, it would be idiotic, really, like looking back on, I suppose, their league performance and um, I suppose on Cork's league's performance, you know, having um, just kind of got the last two wins there versus Down Offaly. Um, Kerry were emphatic during the league and were absolutely dominant um, against Mayo in the league final. Um, and, and to take into the mix then, like you still have the likes of Dave Moore and Paul Murphy, uh, Stefan Cumber and Sean O'Shea to come back into the mix. Like So it's just... Um, like it's, <laughs> it's a fairly tough read. Like when you're looking at their at their team sheet, but um, look, Kerry are on a mission. That's that's very very obvious. They obviously were very very hurt by last year, and um, probably you know felt that that they didn't do themselves justice. They have started with you know absolutely all guns blazing. Um, can I see David Clifford being held scoreless um this year? Probably not. Um, but you know you have to. I suppose you just have to take it at, 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 at I suppose at its merit from a Cork point of view. The league, while it was absolutely um, probably you know didn't go the, the way that they had hoped, um, they were able to bleed a lot more players. They probably more so than Cork have ever bled, um, you know, down through the years. So like you are generating that little bit more grit at training. You are generating, I suppose, um, that little bit more um, bite coming into this game. As I said, training standards can only have had improved um, since getting all these lads back um, in the mix. And look, it's going to be a more experienced team going out. Um, but I suppose for me, it's definitely 
um, you know, Kerry by by five, six points um, um, at the end, you know. Um, the situation there when you when you talk about Kerry as, you know, be, being hurt by last year, like if you're clutching at straws for Kerry at the moment, you could definitely make that case about Kerry last year and the year before. It kind of feels like this conversation around Kerry, like you could you could copy and paste that, that argument to last year and the year before where it's like they have the players, they clearly yeah. have the quality, but do they have the, the mentality? Yes, you know, they were hurt after uh, losing in a in a replay against Dublin in 2019. And then last year it was like, oh, they were hurt after that shock defeat to Cork last year. Now this I year know. it's they were hurt against Tyrone last year. So if you're looking <laughs> for crumbs of comfort from a Cork perspective, like that mentality bit, that psychological bit still does have to be answered by Kerry. Yeah, it does. And I think Jack O'Connor is like, obviously, after giving them a, a renewed sense of focus as well. And, you know, sometimes um, a change, especially if you're after holding on to a majority of the team, which they have, they've held on to absolutely everyone and brought on, um, you know, a few more. Um, you know, like, I just think like he's he's obviously very, very experienced. He's carry true and true. And um, they're obviously fighting very hard for him. So um, for me, like they, they look... Um, I suppose that as, as you know, they look like favourites for the All Ireland at the moment. Um, but yeah, time will tell. And I suppose look, Saturday will be a big um, test of their ambition. Um, are they going to absolutely wipe the floor, or you know, you know, will uh, I suppose Cork poke, poke holes in in uh, Kerry? You know, when they maybe not might not be at their at their top mindset because um, look, they would obviously be favourite to come out of Munster and and they might feel that they have bigger fish to fry, but, you know, I suppose Saturday is a big test for them, um, for the Cork lads, probably more so than the Kerry lads, and given, you know, what happened last year. Um, so, look, you would just hope that the mindset is very, very good on the Cork side. Um, and, look, um, I suppose it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Kerry um, are, how emphatic they are, or, you know, um, if Cork can, can put that pressure on. And can I ask then, like, I, I suspect over the course of this next little while, people will be talking about Kerry in a sense of, it's now or never that this young team needs to, like, I mean, they're less and less young as years go by, obviously, but that, that they have to win one now, otherwise it just becomes this massive psychological hurdle that they may be incapable of getting over. Is that, is that a thing, Breed? Like, if, if you go a couple of years without winning an All-Ireland, especially without winning your first All-Ireland, that it does become a bigger psychological block than it needs to be? Um, Like... I, I suppose, look, my own experience that would have been probably looking at the Dublin Lady Footballers and, you know, for years probably we would have, um, I suppose, just gotten over them, just gotten over them, just gotten over them. And, you know, they were pushing to, to you know, the, the pitch their collar the whole time. Um, and I suppose, look, held in there, held in there. And look, they got their award after, I think it was three or four, um, you know, all Ireland finals versus us. So, um like, I just think, like, that this Kerry side, um, I know you're saying that they're shoving on a bit, but, like, they're, they're still massive, massive youth there. They seem to just find these players the whole time. Like, Tony Brosson's come in. Um, like I said, Stefan Cumbar, like, we're going to see hopefully what, you know, what he can bring to the table as well. Um, I just I just feel like that, yeah, this year is potentially Kerry's year. Because um, Dublin, look, we're, we're seeing flashes of Dublin uh, coming back to themselves, um, you know, are they going to be the the absolute world beaters that they were a couple of years ago? You know, that remains to be seen. Um, Tyrone look a little bit on the on the fence, but then look, we we thought they were on the fence last year when Kerry dismantled them down in Killarney, and look what happened then. You know, so uh, you know uh, a shock um, loss to to Derry could be their resurgence. Um, and then look, um, Mayo, I suppose we we always have a bit of a soft spot for Mayo, so. Um, yeah, I just think Kerry. I just, I do, I do think this is their year, probably. And um, when you just look at the team sheet, you look at the probably the new fresh manager after coming in, and um, the emphatic way that they um, got through Division One, 
Um, so look, it'll be interesting to see how the next couple of, uh, of months go. I was going to ask you if uh, you, just before we let you away, you felt there was going to be an upset on the cards of Parnell Park as well. I'm actually not sure that uh, what uh, even represents an upset between uh, Meath and Dublin this weekend, but any thoughts on that? Yeah, like I haven't actually seen too much of Meath, to be honest, but um, yeah, like uh, I suppose um probably saw that Kildare definitely are, are going to be pushing hard and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I suppose, how, how, how Meath progress, but um, I suppose being over in Australia, I probably missed a couple more matches than yeah. I than I would have liked. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, you're, so look, you're, well, I, I, you're you're back. You're back a wet week, Breed. Is that that's where you're at? <laughs> back a wet week. Back a wet week. Yeah, still waking up in the middle of the night, but you're up to grind out. Um, yeah, look, it, it went grand. Thankfully, um, it went a lot better than the last year. Anyway, so we kind of any complaints. So um, yeah, glad to have it under my belt. We'll get you back and have a longer chat about that again down the track. Thanks, William, for jumping Perfect. on. No matter. Thanks, lads. Thanks Bye. Breed stack there on the line. Just because all things uh, Cork Kerry.